Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, a.k.a. Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. No sponsors just yet, so go to justkeeplearning.ca for content and more episodes geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. We have a goal to help millions of people be lifelong learners and get their own ambitions off the ground, so be sure to hit us up and let us know how we can help. Our guest today stresses that life is simply better when we're working in areas connected to our passion. He destroys the idea that sales or marketing are bad and helps us realize why it's such an important part of seeing our visions to help people. In this episode, we have some great conversation about serving in the military, setting goals, developing habits, and pursuing business that matters to you. After building a career in sales working for someone else, he decided to take the leap of faith and build his own businesses. He's founded, failed, and succeeded in many different ventures, but one thing remains steady, his ability to win or learn. His most recent startup, Talkfluence, was one of the top influencer search platforms, and he is currently CEO at Grow My GMB and Click Connect Media. He's a powerhouse when it comes to strategic planning, leadership, sales, and marketing. Please welcome to episode nine of the Learned Podcast, Danielle Peretz. If you were to be brought into a school, a high school business class, and they were doing like a career day, and you were able to talk to this business class and tell them who you are and what you do, kind of how would you introduce yourself? So I would say my name is Daniel. Um, I've been involved in a number of businesses, uh, whether it's been real estate investing, uh, software selling, um, and, and selling marketing services. My overall goal in life has been to be the best and you know fun you know CEO and and for me I've always wanted to be a business owner you know both my parents are business owners my grandparents are business owners so on and so forth and it just runs through my blood but what what I I feel like has helped me persevere and um, and and really become a stronger business over owner over the last few years has really been consistency the the part that I've done you know in terms of Having multiple businesses, like I've mentioned, um, I would say you know it's it's just being uh, in tune with what what could I automate, what could I um, you know uh, refine myself in, how could I be more efficient? So I like to always look at myself as you know a multiple business uh, owner um, because it, it to me it seems like uh, there's plenty of people who are um, you know very successful and have multiple streams of income. So. I took that approach in my life and, um, you know, that's where I'm at. And I think that multiple streams of income, the concept of passive income is something that I face all the time when working with youth who want to start a business. They want to be able to go lay on the beach and have their money work for them kind of thing. Um, I think there's a, a real possibility to that, but there's a lot of challenge maybe they don't expect. Um, what would you say to someone who that's kind of their goal to get that passive income? I would say their goal should be really to first uh, sacrifice a lot uh, in the beginning. Um, it's not something where you just kind of plug and play. There, there is no system like that. Um, there's plenty of people who say that there is. But really, when you look at the top uh, gurus or top uh, performers out there, uh, they had to be consistent in something, at least in the beginning. And, you know, I would say that the best way is to come up with small goals. What small goals could actually generate passive income for you? 
and all the other stuff that becomes very, you know, distracting and you're trying to find a unique approach to something that people don't want is just it's just going to end up taking more time out of your day and more time out of your life to get into that passive income. So I would suggest highly, you know, coming up with small goals, sticking to them. And, you know, once you've once you've done those goals consistently, um, whether it's, you know, making, uh, you know, thousand uh, dollars a week or you know, even less than that, whatever that goal may be, once you stick to, stuck to that goal consistently, then I would say take it up another notch. But don't don't assume that this will just be okay, I just do this, and then I'll get everything that I want. It, it does take a little bit of time. And I'd certainly look into something that gives you residual income, as opposed to something that is a one time thing. Right? I like that idea. I know that the whole goal of this podcast is to not rid the world of them, but uh, when it comes to the snake oil salesmen of online courses, a lot of youth or adults alike get into this click funnel of not necessarily bad advice either, but thinking that they can start drop shipping and be millionaires tomorrow, that kind of thing. And you brought up the idea of small goals. Uh, someone who unfortunately passed this year is Kobe Bryant, and he often references the idea of climbing a mountain when it comes to athletic success, you know, fitness or starting a business, but that that first step is the most important thing. And I think with the idea of helping people figure out what those first steps can be, that's going to add a lot of value. I'm sure we'll get into lots of things about online business and stuff a little later on, but when it comes to the idea of learning and school for you, what's your experience in that area? I would say my experience, you know, as far as learning, you know, I went through the traditional system of, you know, getting my bachelor's degree. I ironically got my bachelor's degree in accounting and finance and have used it a little bit. Uh, but but in terms of my learning experience, I was a little bit different. I, I bought the courses, even though some people would say, oh, it's a little bit fishy or uh, whatever it is. I bought the courses because if if they're selling it, and they they got me sold and, and they got other people sold, they must be doing something right. So to me, I, I do a little bit of research and try to find what is good to learn out there. But really, when I when I try to find people who I want to learn from, whether it's Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Tony Robbins, I really look at how how much of an influence and how much of an impact they've had. Um, so, you know, my suggestion for anyone who's trying to learn something new, you could find people that, you know, are just haven't necessarily broke out and become famous like Tony Robbins, but they have a, a sense of influence and they want to make an impact um, as opposed to just trying to sell you something that is, you know, probably doesn't have any value. That was kind of my upbringing into marketing services. And I started to pick apart a few courses and I started to analyze more about what type of lifestyle I want. And I think that's, to me, that's important when you're when you're learning uh, from someone else, you want to have this similar lifestyle that they have. It doesn't even matter whether it's drop shipping or at the end of the day, you want their lifestyle. So if I want to live the lifestyle of that, I get passive income, I'm going to learn from someone who is actually doing. It. Right. And I think what's fascinating is it's straight investment stuff. But Warren Buffett always says, if your money isn't working for you while you're sleeping, then you're always going to be working for it kind of thing. Um, it's interesting you bring up Tony Robbins and uh, Robert Kiyosaki because both of those books have been referenced in episodes on this podcast already, which is neat. Are there any others that come to mind in terms of credible or 
people, gurus, mentors that you would suggest people look up? When it comes to uh, books in general, I would say my favorite book, and I'm sure plenty of people say this, is The 4-Hour Work Week. It's more of the concept that makes sense. It's not that he's saying, look, uh, I'm telling you to work four hours right now. He's saying that if you could automate your business, and I do this to this day for my businesses, if I could automate my business where I'm literally only working four hours, where I can have certain tasks that are being done by other people. And again, if you're starting off, yeah, you may not be able to afford a, a, an assistant or other people to help out. But if you could find ways to bootstrap and put things together to where you are um, outsourcing it or you are uh, delegating those tasks, you're going to get a lot more done. You're going to be more efficient. You could focus on the things that you care about. So I love the four-hour work week. Something recently that I started is on a personal level. Um, I started the 75-day hard challenge uh, by Andy Frisella. So I'm currently on day four. I almost messed up yesterday. And uh, what I could say about the challenge is it's not a book. Um, I think he's coming out with some book later on. But what what I could say about the challenge is about mental toughness. And it's going back to creating small goals. When you have just a simple goal in mind and you just stick to it for 75 days, you're going to kill it in whatever you're trying to do. I highly recommend, you know, whatever age you are to look into that and try to come up with something that, you know, is relevant to your business. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate that. I use the term 200 hours and that's kind of my version of like, I can help you or I can show you how to accomplish this if you stick with these micro goals within those 200 hours. Very similar. I saw your Frizella post on Facebook. Um, That's cool to see you doing that and modeling lifelong learning. Let's take a step back in terms of elementary, high school, like kind of your upbringing in formal education, I guess, prior to the the uh, undergrad. What was your experience when it comes to how you learned or what you liked or maybe didn't like about school? I was uh, one of those people where I just didn't try at all and I just aced everything. Not trying to say that I'm some kind of genius, but I guess I just picked up information. Maybe I simply just didn't try as hard as I wanted to. And, and it actually kicked me in the face. So in elementary school, you know, whatever, that was, that was kind of learning about, you know, certain basic uh, topics that you go through. And I felt like I didn't need to try. And then once I reached middle school, I'll never forget in seventh grade, I failed a lot of my classes for like uh, for the first half of the year. And my mom just looked at me and said, you know, if you think that you don't have to try in life or you don't have to try in school, think again, you're you're wrong because you're gonna have to be trying every single day. Um, There's not a day that goes by that I don't that I don't push myself. And it really, you know, like I said, it it really kicked me forward. And once I was in middle school and transitioning to high school, um, so I had an interesting story. So I went to public high school up until eighth grade. And then um, I had this huge interest in filmmaking. So I I auditioned for Performing Arts High School. And um, out of one out of, you know, whatever, a few hundred people uh, and, and, you know, a few others, we, you know, I got in for for ninth grade. And I was really fortunate to be part of that school. It's in Philadelphia. I learned a lot about just overall, like how to, uh, I learned a lot about like equality. Like we all have, we all have different aspirations. We all have different talents. And I just learned how to treat everyone like they're a human being. You know what I mean? Uh, when you're in that type of environment where you have kids that are learning dance, kids that are learning art, and we're learning filmmaking, you you kind of you you start to see different personalities. I think one thing that I learned throughout that whole four years in high school, um, I had a teacher 
um, who was my English teacher in ninth grade. And I'll never forget her. She was, she was like, she was so hard on us the entire year. And I remember hearing conversations she was having with people that already finished her class, you know, 10th, 11th graders, et cetera. And she was so nice to them, very nice to them, very friendly. But to us, she would, you know, give us crazy homework assignments. She'd make it very difficult for us. And I remember asking her, like, after the year ended, I was like, why did, why did you do that? You know, like, what was the point of that? And I'll never forget this. She, she said to me, if I didn't hear about you, I wouldn't push you. And I get the chills, like, just saying this. But, like, I feel like sometimes we have people that surround us, uh, whether it's teachers or whoever, and we think, why are they pushing me? Why are they pushing me? Because they care about it. And to me, that propelled me, you know, caring about other people. I want to push them to the point that they become better, a better person and, and a better human, you know, to society. As an athlete, uh, as a coach and as a teacher, I can certainly relate with that idea of pushing people. One of the, the resources that I like to plug off, and if people don't know it, is um, Randy Posh's Last Lecture, which is a book, but the YouTube video is what was subsequently turned into a book. He says exactly that, that he had a football coach tell him one day and that it still gives him chills to that day that, um, listen, as soon as I stop bugging you, that's when you know you've got a problem because that's when I don't care anymore. Uh, he said that stuck with him forever in terms of his mentoring others, etc. For those who don't know Randy Posh's last lecture, I suggest looking it up. The short story is that um, he was a mentor and a prof to a lot of people and he found out he had cancer, terminally ill, a few young children at the time. And he said, you know what, I'm going to make the most of it. And he went and he spits for an hour and a half, does his last lecture to the world. And there's tons of value in that. It's something that keeps me going when I'm kind of thinking about my own struggles, you know, if you will. Uh, thinking of that idea of struggles, I know you obviously, and I was much the same, you were able to figure out the system, navigate school and make it work for you because you could could find out what they want. Were there times that you did find difficult where you needed to kind of lean on resilience or suggestions that you would give other people who maybe don't find the system that easy? Yeah, I would say, you know, if someone doesn't find the system that easy or they're struggling, um, I would I would highly suggest that they take a look, a good look at themselves and reflect and understand where where are they struggling in? Is it is it merely the fact that um, you know, they, they're not doing their homework or, or they're, they're not able to pay attention and, and just write that down and say, and, and just be honest with yourself. Like, why am I struggling with this? I write down my struggles all the time. I write down what, what do I need to work on? What can I improve on? Um, which is why I'm taking on this 75 day hard challenge. And I think once you, once you write it down and you say like, okay, let me just tackle this one thing because we can't improve ourselves dramatically overnight. And, and that's, that's the idea. I heard this from, and I'm going to quote him, his name is uh, Doug Wood. He's very huge on, you know, health and mental health. And he talks about how when you try to do a 10% change, you're, you're ending, you're, you're going to end up doing two steps forward, two steps back. What you need to first focus on is that 1% change. So if you feel like you can't focus in class, how could you, you know, better do that? You know, and I'm sure there's, plenty of resources in, in the schooling, whatever it may be, uh, to figure out how could I just be better in that one area? Don't try to take on too much at once. And then once you incrementally grow that 1% to where it becomes 10%, then, then you're comfortable at where you're at. And then you can make yourself uncomfortable, improve even further. But that's, that's just my suggestion. I mean, I, 
I feel like, you know, even though I figured out the system with schooling, I still had struggles. And, you know, when I went into college, I had to try. So that's, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta put down what, what you feel like you need to improve on and, and just keep an eye on it uh, on a daily basis. I like the idea of writing things down. I think when we get in such a digital world, that quickly gets lost for a lot of people. Uh, I actually went back to a traditional notebook because it was a thought guru that I heard talking about this idea of like to-do lists. And I used to use notes and I would use different tech uh, related products to try and keep track. But I realized that's not a 100% of the time thing. And writing things down can at least put it on paper and allow me to focus on whatever 1% I'm working on. I think that's that's great. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to ask about, and I realize it can be a sensitive topic sometimes, but you post a lot of your military experience. I think that that's something that you set a great example of all the things that helped form you into the person you are today, um, whether it's learning or business or life, what are some things that you think that helped you with? So, so I don't, I don't hide from it. You know, I, um, I served in the Israeli defense forces. Um, I volunteered as American. My, my family is from there. And, you know, to me, why I wanted to serve was because a, um, I wanted to serve either in the U S and Israel and Israel to me was just the better, better timing. And then, um, and at, at the time I really wanted to just focus on how can I better service um, my people and not have to service myself first. I was a little bit different than a normal 18, 19 year old when it comes to, you know, uh, discipline and things like that. But I certainly wanted to figure out a way, how could I voluntarily help out and, you know, not, not have to go straight into college. So I think that people that are looking into this, where they say, you know, I want to go into the military, you know, right out of high school or some somewhere in between. I think that you don't have to have maybe like I had maybe a little bit of a more discipline, whatever it is, you can just do it because you think that it's the right thing to do. So some of the things that I've learned throughout the, the army experience, um, and what I try to share with people is one, you know, I, I had a recent post, I was talking about equality, you know, when when you go into the army, you put on a uniform, you shave your head, doesn't matter who you are, you know, I don't care if you're rich, poor, um, black or white, whatever it is. The important thing is, is that you are one unit. And and I think it made me realize that we're all human beings. We're all one unit. This is all our, our uh, you know, world that we're living in. And so that was an important lesson, you know, kind of going back to your question, I think like, it's made me realize, like, when I'm learning or absorbing things, I have to think very quickly. Um, what's the next step I have to do? And it's the military kind of programmed me to think that way, you know, and I still to this day, I still get distracted. I'm, I'm like everyone else uh, when it comes to that. But but I'm, I, I certainly have learned to become more programmed to just make a decision and then move forward and, and just take action on it. It's definitely it was definitely an amazing experience for me. It certainly was a challenging and sacrificing time for my family. But I, you know, I had a very interesting time. I think the most important thing when it comes to questions like that is just realizing that so many of our experiences form us. And it's just neat hearing what people's versions of it are, because obviously, there, you know, there's famous military people, David Goggins and Jocko Willink with that experience. And then they use that as their platform to do their TED talk or to create their podcast or what have you, whatever it is, whether it's uh, military playing football or, as you mentioned, filmmaking, I think 
there's little pieces that build us into who we are. And it's just neat to ask about them. And so going back to that idea of filmmaking, you know, you're not a filmmaker now per se, right? Or maybe you are. What was kind of that transition from the topic that you did throughout that focus program to where you are now? I, I went into uh, Kappa Korean Performer Arts High School as a filmmaking and theater major. Um, long story short, basically what happened was I wanted to go into uh, filmmaking in LA. Once I graduated high school, I went to LA and that's where I was introduced to the idea of potentially you know, going to Israel. And that's where the Israeli Defense Forces kind of came in. And, and, and basically while I was there, I just realized that filmmaking was a mechanism for me to express myself, express my ideas. Uh, but I didn't think it necessarily was the right career path for me. And I think it could be a right career path for any for anyone who's interested. It was it just wasn't for me. And I think what I had to realize was you could have passions for things. I could have passion for filmmaking. I could have passion for movies in general. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that specifically the passion is is um, is the career path I have to head into. So I had to compartmentalize that. And then once I was done the army, I came back to the U.S. and I just started finding my place. And I ran into. Uh, Russell Brunson, you know, ClickFunnels started getting into digital marketing and understanding about it more. And that's where, you know, I eventually started uh, ClickConnect Media. And now I'm, I have a software company, uh, TalkFluence. I've done a lot of projects. But really what I, and again, going back to like the filmmaking and connecting that to where I'm at now, it's really given me a perspective about what, what, do, what do people want to see? You know what I mean? When I'm presenting to people about ClickConnect, I, I almost look at it as like a movie, you know what I mean? Like, here I am telling you my story. How do you feel about it? You know, are you excited? Are you not excited? How many Rotten Tomatoes do I get? You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I viewed, you know, sales, marketing, all of that. And I'm hoping, you know, and, you know, uh, hopefully that I can certainly build off that, build off my platform over time. And maybe filmmaking can come in. Maybe, you know, I'm doing videos anyway. So it's kind of, it's it's compartmentalizing what you're passionate about and how could you make it a reality. Um, but you don't have to do something just because like, oh, I'm passionate about basketball. I have to be you know an NBA star. Maybe you just use basketball as a tool uh, to learn how to be more disciplined, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think we could go hours or days on this one topic. Yeah. And I do want to stick there for a little second because we'll get to your business projects. I'm sure people are excited to hear about that. But before we lose track of something you just said, I heard a really good uh, way of explaining it recently. And it was that whatever your passion is could be a hobby, could be a job, it could be a career, it could be a vocation, or it could be a combination of all four. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard it put that way. Uh, and I think she went on to say that it can also be a continuum that changes, right? How much of your passion in filmmaking or basketball or fitness is your job, your hobby, your career, and your vocation? And in this woman's case, she was a writer. She said those things have always been evolving in those four areas for her. And I just loved the way that she put it. For me, one thing I do is I coach youth one-on-one -on -one to figure out what that passion is in the first place. Right. And I think that's really important. But then once you do, a lot of them want to turn it into their job or maybe they just want to keep doing it. And I think that's just an important part to kind of reiterate. I know you, that's exactly what you already just said. Um, but if some if somebody was struggling to figure out what they did want to do, back to that passion piece, 
what are some ways that people, in your opinion, could kind of figure out what the heck they want to do if they have a thousand ideas? I, I would say this is not my idea because it's clearly uh, Matthew McConaughey's idea. But he says, vision yourself 10 years from now and constantly work to that vision, you know, every single day. So if I vision myself 10 years from now being the freaking president of the United States, like <laughs> whatever that goal is, then I should and I should work towards that goal and don't and don't hold yourself back. And again, every career path is different. I'm just saying, don't hold yourself back and say, you know, 10 years from now, I'm only going to improve on myself like one iota. It's like, no, I, I want you to really feel like there's something that you are going to really propel yourself in 10 years from now. What does that look like for you? And live that every single day. Um, so I think that if someone's struggling to figure out, okay, but I don't really know what that 10 years from now is, I would say really write down everything that you enjoy doing. Is it, is it writing? Is it you know, designing? Is it you know, volunteering? What exactly do you enjoy? And again, going back to like compartmentalizing and saying, okay, I enjoy writing. What could I use my writing skills for? Could I be, by the way, you could be a lawyer, you know, and you could write. Um, you could, um, you, you could be a writer. <laughs> um, you could do a lot of things with writing. I'm running out of ideas, but, and again, thank God for Google. Um, you can start to research and see, okay, how could I use that skill and really service for people? If you're just doing it just to make money, I'm going to tell you this right now, you're going to struggle. Don't do something because you're just there to make money. Do it because you actually care about it and you actually see people want the idea. And I think that once you've, you've narrowed that list down, write out what, what does that lifestyle look like? If I'm a writer and I'm writing books, like what does that lifestyle look like? Do I love sitting down in front of the computer? Look, I majored accounting and finance in, in college. I enjoyed the entire time working on my Click Connect business and other businesses with marketing. I didn't care about accounting, but uh, whatever. The time at that time, you know, I got I was already in the midst of the degree, whatever it is. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is, I realized that I didn't want the accounting lifestyle. It could be good for someone else, but it's not good for me. So figure out what lifestyle you want, match that with those lists that you made, and uh, you know, look. Anyone can reach out to me. I'm sure reaching out to you. If you need help, I'm here to help. I mean, that's 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 kind of that's that's where I, I want to help people out in in marketing uh, campaigns, etc. So you 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 have to figure out where do you want to help people in. Couldn't put it better myself. One thing I think that's interesting that comes up is the idea of having a niche versus going broad with your content. And we already referenced Tony Robbins earlier in our conversation on his website. I'm pretty sure it says I help people improve their lives. <laughs> I mean, how can you get like, it's in one way it's, this is a fascinating paradox to me because it's extremely niche. If you get it to the one person, what do they find joy out of and how do we help them do more of it? Uh, yet it's extremely broad because it's, how do I help people follow their big dreams and goals? <laughs> and yet he's obviously made a very successful career out of it. Slightly successful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Understatement. But to the, the people that want to help in that sort of like very broad way versus being able to niche down, what would your suggestions be in that hot debate these days? It's a great, it's a great question. Again, I think it goes back to if you, if you have uh, people that are in your network um, that are dentists, you know, if you're in high school and let's say, you know, you have people in your network who are uh, in the auto dealership, whatever, you know, maybe start with that niche because at least they're within your network and then you could start to 
broaden your horizon a little bit. If you have that niche available, then I would start with that niche right away because it's already in your network. You could already test it out with some people. And then if if the platform or the service or whatever business you're providing is working well for them, maybe, and then just check out, can I tweak this? I know it worked for an auto dealership. Can I tweak this and offer this to a dentist? Can I tweak this and offer this to any you know business out there? Um, or or a consumer. I think that if you're offering, you know, a product, I would say it's probably best. Like uh, in my opinion, you know, it's probably best to focus on a, you know, a, a single product that you feel ecstatic about. And how could that single product be uh, reached to the right consumer that actually cares about it? So I wouldn't say like, yeah, focus on a niche all the time. Uh, but I do think that if you are comfortable with adding in a few niches here and there, then, tr- then, then just do it. You know, don't, don't worry about, oh, like, is this uh, not niche focused? Will I lose track of things? If you can handle the, the growth of your company, then just go for it. You know, initially, um, I worked a lot in the real estate industry. And that just felt comfortable for me because I you know, know people in, in real estate, etc. I, I think it's on a case by case basis. I don't think there's like a, a perfect solution to say, do this and, and just stick with it. Certainly, I, I don't disregard at all having a broad approach. I mean, like you said, with Tony Robbins, he's just, that's, that's how he's growing his business. I help people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how he's growing his business. So, Well, it's, it's fascinating. And when I ask that question, it's always slightly selfish because I love helping people. And when I think of not helping the 55-year-old man who contacted me on LinkedIn asking for help because I focus on youth, throws me for a bit of loop and people say, well, that's just ego. And I'm like, no, like I'm Ryan Holiday. Ego is the enemy through and through. It's not about that for me. It's more about, I don't know even what people need, right? So there are people will give you advice like, well, you need to help people who are uh, female stay at home moms who want to start a sewing business. And they just really want that really fine funnel. And I think what uh, I've heard Gary Vee talk about the benefit of marketing to the world And I think what's neat about that is that you can segment when it comes to your messaging or your filmmaking based on the copy and the ads, right? Your product or service could help lots of people that you don't even know. I just think it's an interesting debate. I do want to get into more technical and specifics. I know there's tons, but if you went through, what are the the businesses and experiences you've had? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'll go through more recently. Um, you know, as far as Click Connect Media goes, we're a full service uh, marketing uh, agency. Services like uh, SEO, uh, paid ads management, and and web design. Basically, we help businesses on campaigns or launching their business, and we're really their their marketing partner, outstretched uh, a CMO for three to twelve months. And then when it comes to TalkFluence, TalkFluence is an influencer search and audience analytics tool. Um, we have over 6.5 million TikTok accounts, uh, which is crazy. We have uh, 20 search criteria, emails, phone numbers. The only thing we don't have is their address. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we won't be getting that. Uh, but you know, we, we have um, this data. And really what we're trying to do is help brands and agencies like we recently brought on Shine. Um, we have, you know, uh, there's plenty of brands out there that are utilizing TikTok and we just want to make it easier for them to find an influencer. So when you talk about niche focus, you know, myself, Janine and Fabian, who are my two co-founders, we love TikTok. And I think as far as being niche focused, 
I mean, they're kind of becoming like a broader niche, but, um, but it's, it, to, to us, we're passionate about it. So we felt like this niche, you know, in terms of providing influencer search tool will be, will be helpful to people. And so far it has. So, um, that's, that's kind of like the ins and outs of what I've been doing recently. And, um, yeah. So let's go, uh, maybe with click connect first. So is it very small businesses that are able to connect with you? Is it like the full range, you know, can one person who's starting a business access your services or does it tend to be more corporation based? So it's full range. I mean, we've worked with a number of businesses I, that are, you know, one employee to a lot, a lot more employees. To us, it's more about uh, the marketing team. You know, some some businesses have a very small marketing team that's 10 people, yet their entire uh, landscape is, you know, 150, right? So it's about collaborating with that team. And if the team is a non-existent, you know, they don't have a CMO or someone to help them, then that's some that's something we can come in and help them with. You know, I had a I had a call with someone who just had an app idea and, you know, he just wanted to know a little bit more how, about how to go about developing it and 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 getting it out there. And so it, it really just depends, but I think for us it's about um, how could we take their campaign or take their company and you know bring it to another level? Yeah, that's great. Now you mentioned three to twelve months. Are those different options, or is it that they work with you about the first year kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, usually their campaign it's lasting about um, you know three months. You know, these bigger companies, you know, and especially companies we've worked with, it's like they just they they have a campaign and they got to get it moving. You know, it's and things change a lot for smaller businesses who are working with us consistently. It's it's really just about having a platform and a model that we can evaluate and constantly readjust. So. When we're managing their ads or we're managing their SEO, we can start to see, okay, how can we adjust this accordingly based off of what we're seeing um, in results? Or is this converting well? We, we talked about um, small businesses. E-commerce businesses are a great example. If you start to evaluate and see, okay, I'm not converting um, so well on my Facebook ads, how can we readjust that? So you know, for the three to 12 months, it's, it's kind of like, you know, how can we really expand and, and grow from there? Right. So that's the, the campaign. With TalkFluence, you had some co-founders. Click Connect, were you on your own for that? Or did you start that with other people too? That's, that's, that, 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 that's just me. Okay. That's neat. I know a question that people love to know the answer to is what pushed you over the edge to starting a business versus you know going looking for a job? I, I was um, a little bit, at, uh, I want to say, I had to be a little bit responsible. Um, you know, I, I got married young. Um, I have two kids. Um, so I had, you know, a business and I also had a job and I was, you know, working the business out. And this was like years ago, you know, especially when I was, when I still was building this business up, I felt like the one thing that I was struggling at was just clocking in and clocking out. I felt like I wanted to do a lot more, whether it's getting them sales. Like, so when I was uh, at uh, Temple University, um, I did an internship uh, with an accountant. He um, is an older man and it was like, he, he was doing the sales and I was doing his work. Like I had to do, I had to help him out with, um, you know, tax returns and all those details. And look, that's why I was hired. But I was like, dude, like, teach me the sales stuff. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And then that's when I realized like that moment there, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to work for myself. 
I need to build something for for myself and my family to where I could support them, help them out. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do all that, you know, paperwork and whatever. That that to me just bothered me. So when I realized that sales was really important to me, um, that's when I was like, okay, let me let me get into that. And um, that, I, I, that I don't know. That's what really pushed me. In terms of people being hesitant. So often when you ask them, the one thing they know for sure is that they don't want to have a boss. There's like this huge collection of people, but they're just so scared. They don't know how to start. Um, but before we talk about that, maybe let's go back to TalkFluence. Just touch on how you went from, I already have a business that's functioning and operating. I'm going to go start another one. How did that happen? I, I've always, you know, I've had um, e-commerce stores. I've done a lot of things. Um, you know, I've, I help people in, in other areas. But I've always felt like, like I said before, you know, I wanted to have multiple streams of income. Um, so I was fortunate enough to meet Johnny and Fabian, uh, which is again a long story about that. But um, they they developed Talkfluence, and at the time it was, you know, just starting off. Um, we were give, giving up idea, giving uh, ideas, you know, and how we can improve the the model. And I think really what when I saw the product and I saw how much potential this could have. And also my passion for for TikTok, I felt like I can't say no to this. I, I have to do this. I have to get involved. And I think for people that are looking for another opportunity in addition to what they're doing, I think you have to first evaluate, you know, are you able to really juggle that? Are you or are you just going to, again, distract yourself and have you off the, the you know, the wrong path of success? And um, and if you can make it available and it could build again passive income for you why not you know go go look into it try it out there's nothing wrong with trying something for 3 months and look obviously i don't want to if someone's making a huge financial stake or whatever it is which which comes into that but if you're going to just give your time and try something to see if it'll work go for it i i i again it goes back to like just make that quick decision and go ahead and do it and i think i was after having you know conversations with Johnny and Fabian and and figuring out a game plan, um, it just felt it just felt right. You know, I, I can't I can't explain it. I think it's sometimes like you just get that gut feeling that this feels right or it doesn't. And everyone has a different um, you know approach of of what their their gut is saying. That would be one amazing thing if we could bottle the ability for people to use their gut feeling and sell that. That'd be the world's biggest e-commerce store, I'm sure, <laughs> because it's so important. And I love something you touched on on the idea of trying. Uh, I use the handle just tries and I've been using that for a while now because that's what I try and make my content when I'm modeling is just showing people like, look, I can try and become a singer for the sake of, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it and that that's okay. Um, I think unlocking that for people would be huge, which definitely brings us to the idea of kind of lack of confidence or worrying about what the sort of haters think because you're so heavy in the social media space and uh, you I've seen people go through probably ups and downs. What are some suggestions you would give to people that are worried about that and that's holding them from starting? I would say this. I would say if look at yourself and ask yourself, who out there is probably like me? You know, there is a Justin out there like you who's going through the same struggles. Uh, There's a Daniel out there who's going through the same struggles that I am or needs to hear something. And just share it. I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> like if you, if you share it and it's it doesn't get you know the algorithm doesn't work. You don't get all the likes. I mean, I share posts and like maybe I'll get ten likes. Okay, I don't care about the likes. I care that if I'm if I'm sharing my message, 
and one person, one person gets so impacted that it changed their life. I, I mean, like I, I, I'll tell you, so I'm, I'm, um, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I believe in God and, you know, sorry if that offends anyone, but that's, that's who I am. And I, I firmly believe that, that in my life, if I could impact one person, I've lived a good life. And that's, that to me, like, and not to get too deep on the social media stuff, but if you're, if you're promoting stuff, if you're, if you're just giving out your message, just do it, you know, just because you never know who's going to see it and it's going to make an impact on their day. And just think about it. Like you, when you see a message, when you see a post, it may have an impact on you. So why not offer the same favor to help people out? Yeah, that's true. And I think overthinking comes into play. But what's so cool is you just brought up the idea of helping one person. Previously, we talked about fixing your 1%. The title of this episode might have a one in it, I'm thinking, (laughs) because it just seems like that theme. Like, oh, you mentioned small goals, too. It's that idea of taking it piece by piece, right? Just to wrap up the idea of talk fluence, who would use talk fluence as a service? Great question. So really any B2C, um, really, you know, even B2B uh, brands that want to expand their audience network, also agencies that are working with these brands to help them in their uh, influencer campaigns. So a lot of people look at influencer marketing, they think, oh, it's just this influencer, she's probably just dancing around and doing nothing. That's not how it works. Um, how it works is you're building your audience network to the point that you could get that influencer to promote your product, uh, whether you're selling uh, hairspray, you know, it doesn't matter what you're selling to them, but it allows them to promote your product in an organic fashion by creating content that will ultimately lead this user, their, you know, their audience to your website or to, you know, to uh, your social media uh, profile or platform. The goal that we that we find with with brands is that to educate them, you know, ones that are involved in influencer marketing, this is this is like a no brainer. Uh, people that don't understand influencer marketing, um, like I said, there's there's a lot more to the content creation, and also it is more cost effective, in my opinion. I know this because I, I see this a lot with with paid ads, etc. Than than running uh, paid ads in most cases. You know, we talked about like people like Gary V. You know, Gary V is promoting himself. And yes, it may not necessarily lead to business for him. But what it's what it's doing is it's actually building the uh, ripple effect of people that under that know about his product about him personally. And I think that when you're doing that through an influencer, again, if they're having um, a slight impact from their audience, that ripple effect can continue. And you could start to utilize things like you know, hashtag challenges, et cetera. And the influencer could work with you on that. So really any B2C, you know, direct to consumer, business consumer products work well, um, e-commerce stores, fashion, esports, gaming, you know, you, you name it uh, would be, would be a good fit. And so let's say it was an e-commerce store, you know, you had a new line of tie dye hoodies or something you were selling and you wanted to access your help for it is the process. I guess just walk me through the short version of the process. So let's just say you're, you know, you're trying to sell this tie-dye shirt, you know, how do I utilize an influencer? So a couple of ways is to either offer the product to them for free to where they would promote the product. I would suggest, you know, depending on your budget, I would look at nano or micro influencers, um, you know, anywhere between 5,000 to about 100,000 followers. Because in my opinion, first of all, it's, it's, it's cost effective. 
And second of all, if you find the right one who has the right audience, which TalkFluence we offer, you know, audience reports, et cetera, then you're just, you're, again, you're focused like on the niche uh, aspect of, okay, I'm selling this tie-dye shirt. I want to make sure that uh, everyone, their audience, first of all, is in the US. You know, this shirt is for men, whatever those details are. And then you can talk to the influencer. You could say, I'm selling this shirt. What do you think? Do you think your audience will love it? I would then check out their content see if they're actually if they actually do promote products if they're promoting a product every single second probably avoid them <laughs> but uh, but if they're doing it in an organic basis um, and you see that they have a good engagement rate then again it's kind of like just go for it see what type of interaction you get and what and reaction you get from their audience and then evaluate further influencers along the way and you could either offer an affiliate commission or, or something you know as a one-time payment and so do you guys act as the middle man for that in terms of being a conduit or do you just collect the database to give them the stats to use? So, so with TalkFluence specifically, um, we, you know, we allow them to uh, search for these influencers. Um, if they do need help with that, you know, campaign wise, you know, they could certainly reach out. Um, but as far as the platform is concerned, it makes it very easy for them to just email them, DM them, message them directly. That's great. It's really neat. What's fascinating is it's really just the the beginning of all of this. And I think our world moves so fast in today's day and age that people think, uh, you know, maybe it's already saturated or those kinds of things in terms of being an influencer. Let's say um, the way I like to, to wrap these episodes is by kind of throwing a scenario at you in, in your topic area that's actually true. So I work with youth in jails and uh, there's a 19-year-old male that I've worked with, his goal was to become a rapper, right? When I think of that and I see a lot of the advice that people like Gary Vee put out about TikTok and those sorts of things, the whole idea of influencer goes into that too, right? So if his goal was to, let's say, grow on TikTok, and I did look at your database, so his goal is to get into the top 100 of your database or whatever, what do you think the approach that a kid just getting into that should take? Uh, that's a great question. I would say the the approach is, you know, again, figure out who you want your audience to be. You know, people like, you know, Addison Ray, et cetera, they, they kind of, uh, they, look, they, they put out great content, but they pretty much hit the lottery uh, when it comes to this algorithm. And I commend her for that, you know, but I think that when it comes to people that are starting off and, and, and figuring out their TikTok content, figure out who your audience is first, because you don't, you don't want to be like me who just puts out videos and I, I put out videos, you know, just to be fun about it and just to inspire. But I would say if you're a rapper, make sure it's like you're sticking to who is your audience? Who do you who who will actually listen to your music? And and don't deviate. You know, if my goal is to inspire people, just inspire. Don't focus on the other stuff like, oh, how should it look or this this angle and that angle. If it's going to inspire someone, then they're they're going to listen in. I would say also, um, you know, if you're utilizing TalkFluence, you could also check out hashtags to see what other rappers and their hashtags that they're using, or maybe even check out the mentions, you know, if they're mentioning other people. And if you're and if you're growing your your TikTok account, you really any account, you have got to be consistent. I mean, posting every day. Um, I know for some people, it's like, wow, it seems like a lot of work. But if you want to see your content grow, that's exactly what you have to do. You know, come some technical stuff, I would say don't ever delete your content on TikTok. Even if you think like, oh, only 200 people saw it, 
don't delete it. You never know what becomes famous. I have a a, a, a waffle video that got three hundred thousand views. Just don't ask. Like, but, but that's you know that you want to be consistent. You want to make sure that the content is is real and authentic. And then if you have an idea as far as like, you know, how could I you know make it uh, interesting or funny? Do it subtly. Don't like don't sporadically you know go from one place to the other, but do that subtly so that people respect your content, if that makes sense. TikTok is definitely a good platform that's kind of sort of here to stay. Obviously, you can't predict the future, but um, I have heard people already saying, well, it's already saturated, like that kind of thing. What would you say to people who worry about getting into it? You know, you're not going to start this, you know, three, four months from now and start putting up 100 videos in one day. So you might as well start it now. Um, give yourself a platform. And, and look, uh, at the end of the day, if you use your TikTok platform to promote your Instagram, great. Why not? Or promote your YouTube. Th- that's fine. But that's just another avenue for someone in that audience within TikTok to get to your channel. I am very confident it is here to stay. They're, they're, just, they're, they're moving in a more appropriate professional approach um, where I think you know, maybe other platforms out there uh, struggled with that. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity on TikTok. It's just a matter of if you're going to be consistent and you're 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 going to take it seriously. I think you'll see a lot of uh, success. But if you're just going to do one video and hope that it's going to be TikTok famous, it's going to be very hard. Right. And I think another debate is this idea that you're trying to grow a following. Maybe some people just because they just enjoy creating, and that's probably best. But if somebody's setting out to start a business. Um, where do you lie on the argument of monetization versus free content and what the strategy should be? I think it really depends on the the business. You know, if uh, if you're um, you know if you're selling a product um, like a you know a sneaker or whatever it is, um, then I would say yeah, it's probably going to be hard to offer free content, but you still can. There's still ways to do to go about it. You know, whether it's uh, joining, you know, your newsletter or joining your YouTube channel where you talk about, um, you know, how sneakers are evolving in the past three months, whatever it may be. Um, I know nothing about sneakers, so I probably should have chose a different topic. But, <laughs> but when you try to when you try to take down the whole free content or monetizing situation, I think you have to analyze first who's your audience. You know, depending on your audience, depending on their demographics, um, I would say evaluate that and see. Can you can the free content uh, be valuable to them, or is it just look? Let's just discuss how you know ways that I could add value in your life, and yeah, that becomes a monetization level. Yeah, I think that's great. Knowing your audience, it's a great spot to kind of wrap up. Um, I do ask a few themed questions as just a way to tie the episodes together. So uh, they're very quick. But before I do, uh, did you have anything that maybe we left out that comes to mind when it comes to learning, education, or starting online business? I mean, I don't have a whole lot on, mind, on my mind as far as what we discussed, but I would say in regards to you know online education or education in general, like I said, I think you know try to find people that you want to live their lifestyle and not just like they have a Ferrari. I mean, like they, they are, you know, if you're a family man or if you're you know, family woman or whatever it is, and you want to incorporate, you know, having a successful business, but being a family person, find a person who can, who is also like that. I'll tell you things that I messed up in. It was, 
I got involved, like I said, in these courses, I paid a lot of money for it. And then it's like, I realized when I'm hearing this person talk, I'm like, I don't want to be like this person. Like, I don't, I don't relate to this person, even though the topic is very educational. I just don't connect with that. So that's probably the one thing I would say. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I don't want to jump back there too much and keep you on too much longer. But I do. You just made me think of one thing because I can definitely empathize. And I know a lot of my students, even though they're very young, they already have kids, too. Um, What would be one of those tips that you or something you would say to people trying to juggle life and business? And that's one of the things that they're saying is holding them back. So here's the thing. And I I had a conversation with my wife uh, earlier about this. Um, There's no juggling. You think that you're juggling. You think that like I could be on my phone and, you know, try to whatever, do my business and then watch my kid at the same time. There is no juggling. You have to come. You have to compartmentalize one for your sanity. And two, it's it's important that you give attention to your kids. Just like if I said to someone, you know, would it be important to you to be given give attention to your business? You would say, hell yeah, of course, it's important to me. Well, the same thing goes for your kids. Same thing goes for your family give attention to them and, and put it in your calendar. I put it in my calendar every day, you know, five to 7 PM, no one interrupts me and I'm focused on my family. That's something you have to, you know, figure out yourself, you know, when you have that time available, not saying it has to be two hours or one hour, but just decide, say this time I'm focused on, on, uh, things that are more important in life. I'm telling you, it's way more important in life than your business. And don't try to juggle things because you will, fail at one or the other while you're juggling. And look, if it's half an hour, great. Just make it a very efficient half an hour with your family. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so a few questions that I ask everybody. The first one, they're a little more rapid fire, is if you left advice for the next generation, since you have kids, it's an easy thing to probably have top of mind. What would you say? Don't be too hard on yourself. You know, there's an old saying, keeping up with the Joneses. And they used to say that because Jones, the family Jones, was next door. Now we live in a society where we have TikTok, we got Facebook. Everyone's a Jones. Now we're keeping up with like, keeping up with the Kardashians, right? We're keeping up with everyone. I know that there's plenty of people out there that we would love to emulate. We would love to live their lives. But you have your life. Forget them. Your life is more important. And I think like for the younger generations, you have so many ways to interact with people and see their lives and you think you're seeing their lives, but all you're seeing is a very, 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 very short clip of their life. And I'm telling you that there are so many other things that they don't show out there in social media or whatever. Don't beat yourself up. Don't look at other people and compare yourself. Everyone has struggles and just look at yourself first before you start, you know, looking at other people. I love that. That would be great for all of our kids, for sure. One thing that you're currently learning right now. There's a book that we're learning. It's called uh, Habits of Health. And I'm learning more about how to just mentally, you know, uh, compartmentalize or really just, you know, be disciplined and have the willpower. You know, I highly recommend, you know, if you want to talk to my wife, who's a health coach, but we, we read this book and we've read this book multiple times. And I feel like it's just something I have to keep on learning. There's certain aspects that I miss out on that, you know, can just have a nice nuance to my life. Like, you know, if you're eating, uh, sit down and eat, you know, don't, don't stand up. You know, if you, if you're, uh, struggling with X, you know, give a funeral to it. Like, you know, basically say I'm done with it. If you're always struggling with it. So that's, that's one thing I'm learning. I mean, there's 
plenty of other books. You know, we were talking about productivity. I highly recommend. There's a book by uh, David Allen, which I'm losing the name of Getting Things Done, which is a great book. Um, so I'm kind of relearning that and some of his system. Learning lots. This I frame in a way that if you were to ask me a question that you think might be a good piece of content for me to answer for my audience, just a question that you would ask me. I would say uh, content that I would love to see is how can teens handle uh, the pressure that is faced in in social media, showing my glamorous life or whatever it is. I think that it'd be an interesting topic, you know, as you being a high school teacher and seeing that interaction and how they're uh, interacting with those tools, you know, how, how do, how could they handle the pressure, stress and having to feel likable, you know, especially in this day and age? Yeah, I'll answer it long form. And I know we want to get you going. I will just say quickly that I love how you already kind of hit it on it. And it's the idea of not comparing yourself, which is crazy because it extends to adults too. But I'll build that out. I'll do it as an actual 60 second Instagram video and share it with you. But the last question is where and why people would want to find you online. You know, on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, or Instagram, I'm Daniel Peretz or the real Daniel Peretz. Uh, Feel free to message me. If you ever need me or you want to message me, need some help, need some guidance with your business, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Um, And and yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for your time. You're a kind, generous person with a wealth of knowledge in business. So I appreciate you coming on to share it with everyone. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for your time. Such a great episode. I hope these are really helping you or someone you know. It's hard to get all of these incredible stories out to the world. So please do pass it along. Thank you to our guest, Daniel. He's a great leader and mentor for anyone thinking of starting a business or getting into sales and marketing. It's our goal to have this in every school in the world, so please do subscribe, leave reviews, but most importantly, pass it on to someone who you think could benefit from the show. Until the next episode of the Learn Podcast, all the best, and remember, just keep learning.